episode of Outside the Rack is brought to you by Kinetic Performance, the makers of the Gym Aware. In today's world of strength and conditioning, data collections become the utmost of importance, and that's exactly where Gym Aware separates itself from the competition. Because when we're sitting there and looking to collect data, what data are you actually collecting? And are the numbers you're looking at fitting into the exercises that you're utilizing? And even more so, are they going to answer the questions that you're looking for? Looking at different ways that you are moving the barbell through peak and mean, both velocity and power, is really what separates gym aware from the competition. Being able to understand what your ballistic exercises are doing separate to what your strength exercises are doing really allows you to program at a much more specific level for your athletes. So hop on over to kinetic.com.au to see what Evan and his team have in store for you today. The world of strength and conditioning is filled with some fantastic practitioners that are always searching for more. But more what? What are strength and conditioning coaches searching for to better their ability to prepare their athletes? Well, what about cutting edge information or a place where you can find different opinions from forward thinking coaches on what you're doing, how you're doing, and try to get feedback to be better for your athletes? Or what about a place where you'll find like-minded coaches that can provide solid coaching advice and career development for you as you progress through your career as a strength and conditioning professional? Well, this is exactly why we built the Strength Coach Network. You'll have access to exclusive monthly content on top of the sensationally active forum that we have where you can communicate with coaches all over the world to find those answers that you're looking for to help you be a better practitioner for your athletes. So make sure you hop on over to strengthcoachnetwork.com slash cvasps, that's strengthcoachnetwork.com slash cvasps, and get your 48-hour trial for only a dollar. I look forward to seeing you in the Strength Coach Network. What's up, everybody, and welcome to the 27th episode of Outside the Rack, brought to you by Kinetic Performance, the makers of Gym Aware. In this show, we're just trying to dive a little deeper into some of the minds of the top practitioners of the world of sport performance to learn a little bit more about who they actually are and how they got to where they are today. Today, we are joined by the Associate Director of Athletics for Sports Medicine and the Director of Integrated Performance at the University of Illinois, Randy Ballard. Randy, thanks for being with us, man. Thanks, Jay. It's always great to connect and, and talk a little shop. I always appreciate these conversations. Yeah, brother. I'm stoked for this one. It's, it's always great to chop it up and get things going and start digging into this world that we are kind of renting here from from the part of athletics, but before we get too far into it, who is Randy Ballard? That's a great question, Jay. And, you know, as I think about that, uh, I think, I don't know if it's age, I don't know if it's kids, I don't know if it's years in this role, but uh, sometimes I ask that question to myself. And I think if I'm, if I'm really real and honest, uh, you know, I'm a believer, I'm a father, I'm a son, I'm a husband. And outside of that, you know, I think I probably surf a lot of continuums and I'm a man of dichotomies and a man of analogies. And so along those analogies, I think, you know, talking about surfing a continuum, I think we all struggle with uh, wanting to be right, but at the same time later that day being a hypocrite or thinking we have it figured out. And then the next day, like, do I really know what the hell I'm doing? And so I guess more than anything, I'm a work in progress in all those different roles that I said. And, you know, I think I started my presentation out at, out at your place a few years back by saying, you know, I'm a pot of chili. And, and I still believe that I've, I've been blessed to have some tremendous mentors pour a lot of great ingredients and ideas into me. And I try to just keep it simmering. Sometimes I got to dump a lot of that out and just go back to the roux and start over. And 
Uh, other times I try to put too much stuff in it. Actually, that's a discussion I've been having with the staff I work with, the great staff I work here at Illinois. I think sometimes we get caught up, especially in this world of technology and constant new ideas that more is better. And you know what? Uh, that's that's a fallacy too. Better is better. More is not better. And so a work in progress, a man who asks a lot of questions. I, I probably am a, a organic creature who's trying to evolve um, one part new school, one part old school. I might listen to Waylon Jennings while riding my skateboard across campus, but I'm just a work in progress trying to figure this all out. A man of analogies. <laughs> yes, that I definitely am. That I can say that's probably a truth. Yes. With outside of that, I don't know how many I don't know how many truths there are outside of that, but that's definitely true. There's no argument to that. I love that. That's fantastic. And yeah, you did start it with I am a pot of chili. Um, which led right into some other things in a sensational presentation that made a lot of people think and question what we actually are doing, which is what we're all trying to do. But speaking of questioning what we are doing, let's get to right to number one, brother. If you wouldn't mind for us, describe a learning situation that brought about an epiphany in your career. Yeah, you know, I think for me, it's probably a two-part epiphany if I, if I tell the full story. And so... Um, like a lot of people, I thought I had a, a career trajectory coming out of undergrad that I wanted to pursue. I had tremendous mentors uh, as an athletic training student. Uh, I thought I wanted to, I, I, I was dead set. I had my, my goals, my priorities. I wanted to go to school in which a place that I hung my diploma on the wall that everybody knew what it was and it meant something. I thought I wanted to work football. And for those reasons, I when I was offered a graduate assistantship to go to the University of Texas, I, I took it in a heartbeat. And uh, I wasn't going to be with football full time. I was going to be doing men's track mainly and then helping out with football. Um, but knowing it was going to be the University of Texas and football, I, I took it. And within a few days there, I, I got to sit down with Dan Paff. I, I mentioned that I had some tremendous mentors between Dan and a host of others, probably most importantly, Gary Winkler here at Illinois. Um, Gary remains one of my biggest mentors and close friends. Um, but I sit down with Dan and Dan said, you know, uh, docs or athletic trainers have probably warned you about me or some of the people I know, but you know I, I would just encourage you to keep an open mind and, and see what you can learn and uh, see what you believe. And I, I tried to do that. And I think that was really an epiphany moment because the further I got down, like, yeah, me and Dan butted heads and I learned a lot. But at the end of the day, like you can learn something from everybody. It's not an athletic trainer has to learn from an athletic trainer. It's not that a MD has to learn from an MD. I had a great discussion uh, last fall with a guy who oversees a, a research agency. And he, he said, you know, we have a lot of a lot of focus right now on multidisciplinary or integration. And really, we should all be striving for interdisciplinary. So if we have a multidisciplinary team of athletic trainers, strength coach, nutritionist, we should all see that as an opportunity to learn from each other. I, I'm not trying to do your job, but how can I learn from you? And so that was a big moment for me um, professionally. Uh, uh, I don't necessarily... I won't say that I believed it firsthand. I had a lot of apprehension about some of the things that Dan was doing as a coach and other things, and but I did. I learned a tremendous amount from him, and, and I'm very grateful that for that experience. Fast forward probably like 10 years. Um, looking back, I had another epiphany that, quite frankly, I, I pissed away learning even more. You know, when I was in Austin, Austin's a, a, a great city, but it's also a city that can if you enjoy having a few cocktails or going out and having a good time, it can definitely pull you into that. And quite frankly, I, I struggled. I, 
I was out way too late and uh, not getting enough sleep and drinking too much. And, and quite frankly, I, I didn't maximize my learning potential there. Obviously, that's a learning experience and something I wouldn't change because I learned a lot for that. And I think it, those experiences give me a lot of uh, empathy for our student athletes who struggle with substances and drug and alcohol and other things. And so um, I think that's a two part epiphany. One, we can learn from a lot of different places and we should always seek mentors and, and wisdom. And two, you know, we have to we have to strive for I hate the word balance. I, I've, I've really liked the word harmony or symphony. We have to find this balance, not balance. We have to find this blend of our life. And if one area is out of control, every area is going to struggle. Or if we don't take care of our relationships and ourselves, we can't take care of others. And so that's probably a two part epiphany and probably longer than you what you wanted. But I think those were two big moments in my life for sure as a person and as a professional. No, man, those are great, you know, and I, I think that being, whenever you're able to sit down and listen to Dan, I think that that's priceless, but even more so, you know, that your time in Austin and understanding that, you know, you can't pour from an empty cup is something that, you know, I mean, maybe it, it's, maybe we can credit Brett a bit for it, but it's become something that has been more and more in the forefront, especially in the last two or three years, this whole like personal wellness for a coach and understanding that, you know, maybe it's not super cool to work from 5am to seven <laughs> at night. Um, not saying there aren't days you need to do it. Not saying we didn't do it yesterday because it was a game day, you know, but it's like every day, you know, understanding that you gotta, I like the word harmony because I don't think there ever is balance. No, and I think balance creates this analogy of a tug of war. Like it's my personal life playing tug of war with my professional life. And that's not true. Like at certain points we need our personal life playing louder and really getting the spotlight and, and the focus in that symphony we're trying to direct. And at other times uh, we need our professional life doing that and figuring out when the flutes need to play what and when the percussion really needs to come in strong that's what we got to work through. We can't be playing tug of war because in tug of war, there's going to be a lot of blisters and rope burns and, and someone's going to get pulled through the mud pit. And none of us really want that. Let's be honest. Yeah, no doubt, man. No doubt. Harmony is a, yeah, that's a great word. One could say that it is a, another sensational analogy to look at it as a symphony <laughs> from, from Randy. And it's, I love it. I love it. bro. So it, you know, you are an inquisitive guy who, you know, challenges pretty much everything to, to find a better way to do it. You know, I mean, you were even saying earlier about the role of technology and things of that nature. So this one I'm actually fired up about because you're, you're an inquisitive guy everywhere, not just <laughs> professional. So if Randy Ballard could ask one question and you know you would get the answer to it, what would that be and why? You know, first off, thank you for just saying I get to ask a question and I don't have to identify who I'm asking that question from because I don't know who I'd ask this question to. But in this role that I'm in, and I think all of us who work with 18 to 25 year old kids right now are, are really seeking is, you know, how do we make more resilient young people? Um, you look at the struggles of college students, the mental health crisis on college campuses, um, the lack of boundaries, all these challenges, and it's different. You know, we talk about being organic and we all have to evolve as professionals. And 
uh, what worked for us when we were 18 to 22 year old kids isn't going to work for this generation. And so uh, I think to optimize performance, I think to optimize life outcomes, to optimize uh, productive members of society, we need to figure out how can we optimize resiliency in young people. And I don't think there's that's that's chasing a silver bullet. I don't think that is a one bullet answer. And but I think that's something that all of us that work uh, in this age group and and with it, we with these young people, um, we're all struggling with that right now. And um, I, I don't think there is a clear cut answer. But I, I, I I'm continuing to seek ways that we can try to do that. Um, it's it's a challenge. And uh, you know, for someone, I, I think a lot of us that work in this field. We kind of see our why as being mentors and caregivers and supporters of college kids. Um, that's kind of why we're here, and that's why we do what we do. And uh, it's it's it hurts to see kids struggle as 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 big as some of these kids struggle. And it's awesome and fulfilling to see them overcome those things. And um, but at the same time, sometimes it's heartbreaking to see what they've already gone through as 16 or 18 year old kids that no one should have to go through that or um, you know, when they hit rock bottom or they only know themselves as the jerseys they wear. Um, I think those are all challenges that we all have to wrestle with as a society, as professionals, as people who live in sport. I think sport is, uh, again, it's a dichotomy. I talked about being a man of dichotomy. I think sport is one of the, the last avenues, to be quite frank, of community for young people. And that's why so many people get attracted to sport because, uh, you know, in a, in a team, you have community. In a team, you have a blend of older and younger, rich and poor, black and white, different demographics, gay, straight, etc. And I think society needs more community. I think for well-being for professionals, we need community. You and I need to connect and talk, not just text. We need those relationships. And at the same time, sport is maybe one of the last vessels for that. But at the same time, if we get too far on that dichotomy, we only know ourselves as an athlete, and that's not healthy either. And so how do we surf that continuum for both optimize wellness, but also avoid being overly identified as an athlete? And so um, really wrestling with and asking a lot of questions of, of how do we build resiliency and how do we build better young people? Um, because as the Frederick Douglass quote is, I don't remember exactly, but it's a lot easier to build a young person than try to fix an old person. It, that's not the quote, but that's basically what it says. And so how do we do that? That's my question. I love that. And that is like super challenging for all of us, because like you said, there is no silver bullet. There is no right, wrong, up down because at the end of the day each one of these people are not just in their own situation but viewing it in their own way so now it's a matter of it, it's less about how when we were in all these situations and it was right and wrong now these are more like kind of in and out right better what's a little better what's a little worse yes exactly where are we at on the continuum today and you know, I think that's like my wife's a nurse on a pediatric floor. And obviously I work with 18 to 22 year old kids. We both deal with parents. We sometimes joke that like 98 percent of our parenting decisions are based on her patients or my student athletes or their parents or the good things we see and the bad things we see. And, you know, so the conversation we have right now is like 
you know, when do you really start being real? Like I have a 10 year old daughter and, you know, sometimes she talks about, oh, I hear that middle school is really hard. And it's like, when do you say like, hey, you know, life is really hard. It's difficult. It's awesome. It's fulfilling. It's amazing. There's highs, there's lows, but like life is going to be a challenge. And I think at times we haven't been honest with kids, you know, I was at a conf or a, a working group thing right before Christmas. And I think one of the challenges that if we're honest in terms of athletics, that the, the gentleman made a great point of we almost need to think about like the de recruiting process. And so, you know, having some realistic conversations when young people come to campus of like, yeah, that was great that you got all that attention, that you had all these people coming to see you and telling you how great you were. But you have to realize that no matter where you go, even if you transfer, the next four or five years are going to be hard. It's going to be some of the greatest experiences of your life. Uh, there's going to be times where you're not going to play as much as you want to. There's going to be times in which you have to stay up till 5 a.m. studying. There's going to be times where you have to make decisions based on uh, you know, your citizenship as an, as an athlete, not necessarily your citizenship as a normal 18 to 22-year-old kid on campus. I mean, Illinois just legalized marijuana. We're wrestling with that. You know, uh, everybody else on campus now federally, it's illegal, but, you know, they could still and it's been happening forever. But, you know, you have these opportunities. And with as my old man used to say, with opportunities come responsibilities. And so uh, I think these kids have opportunities and, and we are here to support them. But I also think we have to start being real with them to build that resiliency of just saying, like, there's a lot more to this. Uh, I don't have this figured out. Uh, I'm here to support you. But, you know, life's really hard, but it's also an amazing, wonderful experience. And I'm so grateful that that, that I've had all the experiences I've had. I've, I've made some stupid ass mistakes and uh, I am who I am because of some of those things. But um, it's hard. It's difficult. And, and we got to realize that and we got to help figure out how to support people. Um, when they're going through those hard times and difficult times and, and make sure that we're making them as resilient so those hard times and difficult times don't create breaking points in which um, the bottom truly falls out. No doubt, man. No doubt. And I love that. And, you know, it's a guy who overseeing his staff, pushing himself to be better, asking questions and digging for answers and out consistently learning. They're back to what you said in the beginning, man. There's got to be kind of that harmony. That Absolutely. Release. So what's Randy's escape? All right. So I'm going to take you to task. Okay. So I think that's a challenge that I think that, right. Like, and, and I, I don't have this figured out. I, I don't want to be a hypocrite. Actually, I reached out to our staff and, and got some feedback from them. I, I try to be really reflective uh, around the new year. And so I got some feedback. And one of the things I've talked a lot about with, with fellow sports medicine practitioners is just the power of words. You look at low back research and how we talk to people about their low back pain can really affect outcomes. You know, if we catastrophize it, if we talk about this could affect you for the rest of life, like that's planting seeds even subconsciously in their brain. And so um, words have power. And I've said that, I, I believe that. And yet, uh, one of my staff members uh, took me to task for at times things that I've said and how I've said it, those words say more than what the words actually say. And so I don't, I don't want to be a hypocrite. I'm going to be forth, forthright with that. But I think that idea of escape kind of plays back into the the wrongness of um, balance, this up and down. You know, I, looking back, 
going out and partying in Austin was my escape. And I think I sought to escape my life as a person and as a professional because it wasn't in harmony. And so I don't anymore try to think about escapes. If I start thinking of escapes, like if I find myself saying like, man, after a day like today, I could really go just stop by and grab a bottle of bourbon and head home and, and decompress from the day. I know that professionally and personally, I'm not in a good place. And so in terms of what is fulfilling experiences, what are things that recharge my batteries, what are things that I try to connect to on a more regular basis versus trying to find an escape for me over the last few years, it's it's been a lot of nature. It's been a lot of time hiking and camping and spending time with my kids in the outdoors. I think um, the therapeutic aspects of stillness and quiet and nature and dirt and mud and um, having to focus on building a fire and doing some of those things, I think, are very therapeutic to the soul and to the body and to the mind. And so uh, even if it's, you know what, we got a great little arboretum on campus and I've had a rough meeting and I got 30 minutes for another meeting and I'm just going to take a quick 10 minute walk here and kind of regather myself. Uh, I think for me, nature has a big role in who I am and, and keeping that symphony and, and harmony in my life. And I think I would challenge people if, if, if they see things as an escape, I think you should be asking yourself, like, how am I doing with the harmony in my life? Why do I need an escape? Because quite frankly, I think that's what we're seeing with kids in sport and, and their over-identity in sport and athletes. At times, they need an escape from sport, and they don't have uh, an identity outside of that. So the, they have to see it as an escape, and that leads to substances and bad decisions and other things. And so, uh, I, you know... I'm not bashing you, Jay. You know I love you to that, so I'm not I'm not picking on you, but I think this idea of escape is maybe not the right paradigm, and, and I think we should all challenge ourselves with that. It's dope, man. I love it. <laughs> I love it. And you probably caught me, right? Like, as I said, you, you probably caught me at a philosophical time. Usually around the start of the year, I try to do a lot of self-reflection, and I think that's another dichotomy. At times, I think I'm very self-aware, and then other times, I'm like, you stupid idiot. Like, how were you not aware of that? And you know, so I think um, we all have to be cognizant of that. Yes and no. I think that, you know, I think that that viewpoint of it is not just valid, but powerful. Like understanding that if you, you know, going back to it, like you were saying, like the wording with injuries and pain and those sort of things, like the wording with the question. Yeah. You know. If you got to run and hide, what is really up? Yeah. And, and it goes back to kind of how we started things, right? Like, other than life and death, you know, in terms of your heart's beating or it's not, there's a lot of life that's in this continuum or this gray area in between black and white. And I, I think we all have to realize that, even though for most of the things we do, we try to make it a yes, no decision. And really it's like, well, I'm probably, you know, to quote Annie Duke, like I'm probably 65% sure this is probably maybe what we should do. But if we're honest, that means 35% we're really just guessing or we're absolutely dead wrong. It's probably not that far off. Maybe. Yeah. 50-50. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Typical. <laughs> Well, Randy, always great to chop it up, brother. Always great to see you. Always great to hear from you, man. And uh, truly appreciate your time and, and look forward to catching up soon, homie. Yeah, that sounds great. You have a great one. Uh, keep putting out the good stuff. I always enjoy what you're putting out. So keep it up, Jay. I appreciate it. Appreciate that, brother. We'll be in touch real soon. Sounds great. Yeah, man. Cheers. Bye.